Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. If it's true that I give 10, God's got to give me 100, if he is now in my debt, well then, it's sort of just a a divine lottery, only I can't lose. As long as I'm given, I'm going to get. Whatever I'm planting, I'm going to harvest. But here's the problem. God's checking my motivation. And he's saying, you might want to check it too, Sam. The gift of giving. Today we complete this message from Pastor Sam, and we see the differences between giving out of a desire for gain or a sense of obligation, and giving out of the abundance of our hearts, which have been changed by God. Let's listen in as we study the first four verses of Matthew 6. Sometimes people are promised, come to God and He'll give you all these goodies. It really isn't a biblical concept. Those things may or may not come, but they can't be the reason we come. And so if we're giving to be recognized or we're giving to be rewarded to put God in our debt, well, that will never happen. My very best friend all the way back to high school, and man, it was a long time ago for us. 1967 is when I met him. It was our senior year. So I know some of you are thinking, man, I wasn't born till like 77, 87, 67. Whoa. But was, was Abraham Lincoln alive then? Anyway, Leo, my very best friend, we got to know each other our senior year of high school. Um, we played in bands together with phony IDs. He was played Hammond B3. I was a lead screamer in the band at that time. And, and uh, we hung out together, got IDs, played in the clubs. Eventually, he moved up to Reno. And I stayed down in Newport Beach. I just wanted to do the music thing. He got the suits and the chains and, you know, the fake hair you patch on and did the whole, you know, Elvis and imitator type thing. And uh, anyway, to make a long story short, he gets saved up there in Reno. And then about a year later, I get saved down in Newport Beach. And, and he had gotten this book. It directly applies to this idea of giving to get. He got this book called The Miracle of Seed Faith. Now get this. He's a brand new baby Christian and he's just soaking in the word. And, and there are some principles in the book that are absolutely biblical. But then what the guy does is he takes the biblical principle and he kind of stretches it like a rubber band. He makes some conclusions that are absolutely unbiblical and for the very reason we're considering together today. Here's the premise of the book. If you plant potatoes, you harvest potatoes. You plant corn, you'll harvest corn. You plant beans, you'll harvest beans. You plant money, you'll harvest money. Now here's where the problem begins. The guy who wrote the book was suggesting the very best field to plant the money was his field. It's one thing to say, if you give to the Lord, he'll give back to you. It's another thing for me to say, you give to me and he'll give back to you. See, and that's what the book was suggesting. The miracle was, is as you planted in this guy's ministry, God was going to, to, to multiply that back to you and not just multiply it, but tenfold, fiftyfold, a hundredfold. Now, I think I've shared this with some of you in the past. I'm convinced that if people who preach such doctrine really believed that they'd be sending us money, you see, you'll, you'll get this later and, and think, well, yeah, I get it, okay. Yeah, why? Because if it's true that I give 10, God's got to give me 100, if he is now in my debt, well, then... It's sort of just a, a divine lottery, only I can't lose. As long as I'm given, I'm going to get. Whatever I'm planting, I'm going to harvest. But here's the problem. 
God's checking my motivation. And he's saying, you might want to check it too, Sam. You might be doing or giving or serving or saying something at some point, because we all do it, that, that wouldn't really line up as far as motivation goes. And, and so the point, well, it, it, Leo learned the lesson the hard way. If you get down to Mission Valley Christian Fellowship in San Diego, Mission Valley, you got to go in and say hi and, and, and say, Sam wants me to tell you he loves you so much and appreciates you more than anyone on the planet. And you can tell him why, because he made so many mistakes in front of me. I avoided so many pitfalls and, and things. No joke. And he knows that I share this with people. We still get together, we still hang out, we still worship together and, and share it. Well, I want to get him up here sometime in the near future just to see what God's doing these days. But, but here's the deal. Leo not only bought the book and believed the book, he sold his house and sent the guy most of the money. Now, I don't have to tell you where this story goes, but, but I'm in the story because what he did is he decided to move down to Newport Beach, but he couldn't afford to rent anywhere because he was waiting for the hundredfold. Somehow he got in his mind that he was also going to get some tickets to Hawaii. I don't know where that came from. So three months later, he's living in my house, his wife, his three kids, with my wife, her two kids, my sister and her first child. We're all there together. And I'm the only one working. And, and now he's my big brother in the Lord and my best friend for my whole life. And so I don't know. I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, he planted and we're just waiting for the harvest. And I'm sure he's generous. He'll share with me. Guess what? It never happened. It never came. Why? Because his motivation for sending the money in the first place was that he thought, wow, man, I got whatever it was, 20 or 30 grand, 300 grand. That'll buy some amazing stuff. And, and he just started thinking about what he was going to get out of the deal. And God actually judged him for that. Now, I'm pretty sure the guy that wrote the book's going to have some problems at some point, too, because God's going to deal with him as well. And because I saw those things as a young believer and, and I saw people taking advantage of others and manipulating others, I purposed that I would never do that in ministry. And that's why when we had opportunity to buy this theater and, and we found out we needed $400,000 down, we never even told the body, we never told you guys, we need $400,000. Why? Well, I, I couldn't imagine even 400 people with $1,000 in our congregation at that time. And, 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 you know, that's sort of how most people do it. They put up a little thermometer or they get little plaques and say, your name for $1,000, you know, on the back of the seat, Bill, Bill's chair. Thank you for your $1,000 donation, you see. And people do it that way and they get the money. But here's, here's what we did. And I shared this with pastor friends of mine down in Southern Cal that were in the process of building or buying. And they're like, well, how, how are you getting the money? I said, we're doing it Chuck's way. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm saying, you know, we're praying and waiting on the Lord to move on hearts, the supply for the need. And they even pastors look at you like, what are you really doing? You know? That's really what we did. We said we have opportunity to get the theater and people gave generously. Why? Because God was motivating people to give, to, to, to supply. What would have happened if we didn't get the money? It wouldn't be that bad. We'd be in the vet's hall. Now, I prefer this place and I'm grateful for God's provision. 
But you know, the Bible says if riches increase, don't set your heart upon them. Not our personal riches, not our corporate riches. Why? All of this stuff is temporal. It's not what real life is about, not what eternal life or abundant life is all about. So, so he's saying today, we need a motivation check. That's why we're only doing four verses. It lays a foundation, and, and it goes so far beyond so many other things. If we give for recognition, well, we may get that. We may get the Grammy, the giving Grammy, or the giving Golden Globes by men, and God says, that's all you're going to get. You're not getting anything from me, because I'm looking at why you did it. If we give for rewards, well, we may or may not be rewarded. A third and and perhaps the most devastating and dangerous wrong motivation for giving is for righteousness sake. And what I mean by this is some people have been led to believe that if they give, then they'll be accepted by God and acceptable to God. That somehow you can earn your way or pay your way or buy your way into the kingdom of God. We came from a religious tradition where we had relatives that that purchased these indulgences. The word indulgence itself says this isn't going to be a good thing. But, But they bought these things where people were supposedly praying for us and if we committed any sins, the Lord would overlook them because of the financial giving they made in the prayers that were being offered. And, and, and here's my question. Where is Jesus in the cross in all of that? He's not there at all. And because I understand that it's Jesus dying for my sins, shedding his blood, laying down his life for me, and that's the only means by which I can be accepted by God. The idea that I can do anything or someone can pay something or pray something that will make me right or acceptable, it's absolutely foreign to Scripture. And there are a lot of people, and when you get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he'll be talking to them. Many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we? And he's going to say, I never knew you. I don't know what you're talking about. Lord, Lord, that was never reality. And so you want to make sure that you, you are a giver, that you are generous, that, that, that you are gracious, but first make sure that you're truly His. And let Him make you those things. Just don't resist the process. He'll make you into someone more like His Son. I already mentioned that the word theater is the word here translated to be seen by them, building our little theater. And he says, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. And then he says, therefore, when you do your charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Now, as interesting it is that the word to be seen of men is the word from which we get our word theater, this word hypocrites literally is the word from which we get our word actor. It started out in the Greek to be one who wears a mask. And in their plays, if you're familiar with those times historically, they'd have those little... Oh, it looks like a mask on a big popsicle stick kind of a thing. And they'd put it in front of their face and it'd have a happy face or a sad face or a sort of confused face. And what they did is they did their plays and they wore these masks and they acted out scenes. And so he's saying, make sure you're not building yourself a little theater for your show and then make sure that you're not putting on an act, that you're not merely acting in your giving, in your serving, in your sacrificing. 
make sure that you're not a hypocrite. And that's the word actor. Make sure it's real. You're real. You're genuine. That if you're giving, you're giving because, hey, God has given to you. If you're serving because Jesus is a servant and commanded you to follow in his footsteps. If you're sacrificing, well, all you have, he's given you. So what do you have that you can sacrifice that doesn't already belong to him? Well, they did so. And and you've heard the saying. We've all heard it. Don't blow your own trumpet. Ever hear that saying? This is where it comes from. See, he's saying, don't go out sounding a trumpet before you. Now, I couldn't find anything in written history that suggests that anyone actually did it. So I think Jesus is just trying to use hyperbole here. He's painting a a picture for us of absurdity, like someone would stand on the corner and say, getting ready to give. But it'd be sort of like, because we have a lot of us, those cars now that when you lock them with your little gadget there, you know, it honks the horn. It'd be like going down to the Salvation Army thing at Christmas or whenever they're out there gathering money for the poor. And, and you just happen to kick that thing a couple of times. So everybody looks up and you're like, ha ha, you know, or, or we, you know, I already shared it. You know, we need volunteers. Who's going to volunteer? Just stand up. Hey, there's someone standing up right there. Thank you. You know, and. But, but, but see, that's the whole thing. If we're setting a stage, building a theater, and then putting on a play, then we're not really doing anything acceptable to God. Now, you can still benefit people. If, if you give and your motivation's wrong, you see the poor and you help them. We'll talk about some acceptable ways to give in a moment to serve to sacrifice. You can do that and have a wrong motivation and still be a blessing to people. But I've noticed... If my motive isn't right for giving, usually my heart isn't right in giving. And it's easy for me, and I would imagine for you as well, if my motive isn't right for the manner in which I give, to be a little bit, well, I don't know, if it's not condescending, there's sort of an attitude in it like, you know, I I so hate that part of my fallen human nature because as I've grown to be more like Jesus and and respond more as he would have me, I still recognize that that part in me. And I can go either way with people. I can be generous and gracious and and, and all God wants me to be, or I can just be as selfish and, and self-centered as I ever was. You need to know selfishness is the normal state of man. And when I talk to people who are struggling in relationships, almost without exception, selfishness is at the core. There are a lot of other issues that people bring up, but when it comes right down to it, we're just selfish. And we want things our way. And if we do something, we want recognition and we want rewards. And and the bottom line is he's saying, don't be out there blowing your trumpet or clicking your clicker or getting a crowd. And, and you see, the synagogues, that was the place where It was spiritual hypocrisy. It would be likened to our church services. There's a story in the book of Acts. Well, more than a story. It's an event where people were selling all they had and giving the money, bringing it and laying at the feet of the apostles, and they were distributing it to the most needy in the community. Now, it wasn't communism because it wasn't forced. It wasn't even socialism because not everyone had to do it. It was just... Christianity and in practice, people were giving because they had and they were selling land saying, what do I need all that land for? And they were distributing so that the poor could be cared for. But this guy, Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, wanting recognition of men, wanting to be thought of as more spiritual than they were. 
they plotted to come in and they sold some land and they came in and they gave part of the money. Now, here's the deal. No one required them to sell the land. No one required them to give all the money. But when they were questioned about, is this the money for the land? They pretended that they had given all. And it's a radical story. I've, I've looked at it and I've thought, Lord, I'm just so grateful you're not doing that today. Because every now and then I've played the hypocrite and so have you. And what happens to them? He wipes them out. He kills them on the spot. And it says, great awe came upon all the people. I guess so. <laughs> and the great fear came on all the people. Well, I guess if I'm going to say I'm giving something, I better really give that. If I'm going to act like I'm doing something, I better really be doing that. You see, God didn't require it of them. But what he wouldn't allow was that show, was that act. And so spiritual hypocrisy God judges it and then social hypocrisy note he says in the synagogues or in the streets blowing a trumpet notice me pay attention to me recognize me applaud me affirm me and then he's saying I say you have your reward you have all you're out to get you want that that's what happens now he tells us there is a place and a way to give that will always be acceptable to him and some have been confused by this and it has to gel with what he said earlier letting our good works be seen of men that they glorify the father so there has to be a way for me to serve God and people so that he gets the glory and here he says when you do your charitable deed don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. He's not saying now that we can't minister or serve or sacrifice or give and be noticed, but we can't do those things to be noticed. And when he talks about not letting your left hand know what your right hand's doing, he, he's really talking about you. He's not talking about not letting other people. He already said they're going to need to look on and glorify your father. Here's what he's really getting at. And it's pretty profound when you think it through. He's saying as you're giving, as you're serving, as you're sacrificing, as you're doing with your right hand, don't be applauding yourself with your left. Don't be patting yourself on the back with your left. It's not over-recognizing yourself. It's not applauding yourself it's not focusing on wow i can't believe how spiritual i've become because that very idea says well we haven't really become as spiritual as we think we are i remember a story years ago of a young kid he comes home from school and he asks his mom how many truly great men do you think there are in the world mom and she said one less than you think son <laughs> and i think that's kind of what jesus is getting at here if we think we're something, man, we're really missing it. Well, I want to conclude with this because there are some acceptable ways to give. I want to give you just seven words and just just to, to conclude and, and dwell on these. Because God is a giver, because God serves, because he sacrifices, because he lived his life for others and laid down his life for others and now has given us life and has called us to be like him, we want to make sure whenever we're giving, serving, sacrificing, we're doing it willingly. God so loved the world he gave. Jesus says, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. So if somebody manipulates you or fires you up or gets you going, 
And, I, and I'll tell you two reasons that never happens here. One is I just don't believe in it. Second is I really believe my pastor and he taught us if you strive to gain, you'll strive to maintain. And what that means to me is if I could get you to do something, I'm going to have to keep you doing it. And I just don't have, I can barely muster the energy to do what I'm supposed to do. I could never keep you going. And so, but if God motivates you, You'll do all he's called you to, and you'll do it in the energy he supplies. Well, we're to give willingly. We're to give spontaneously. When we see a need, as we saw, you see someone without a jacket, you got two jackets, and you notice, hey, one of them's on me, and one of them's here. He said, just give him one of your coats. It's not that difficult of a command. It's not that confusing. And so we're to give spontaneously. It assumes, of course, though, that we are being good stewards and setting something aside in order to give. And all of us will have opportunity when someone's hurting or down and out or doing without to just say, hey, I want to cover that. And, and, and if you're not doing it to be seen of them or recognized by them, you're just doing it out of love for them and they recognize that, well, the Lord will get the glory. We're to give willingly, spontaneously. We're to give cheerfully, not grudgingly or of necessity. Why? Because I'm sure God would be saying to anyone who's giving or serving or doing and they're kind of murmuring and complaining, no thanks. Do you ever ask someone to do something and like, yeah, all right. And then they start giving you a hand and the whole time, I mean, I grunt a lot when I work because I'm just not very strong and Pam kind of struggles with the grunts. I tell her, until I start groaning, don't worry because it's the groans that are really wrong. See, the grunts just come with being over 50. Actually, they started around 35 for me, but, <laughs> but the groaning, the, the murmuring, the complaining, man, if you're anything like me and someone's helping you and they're grumbling and complaining, you're like, man, thanks for nothing. I would have rather done it myself. And so we want to make sure that God's not saying thanks for nothing. So willingly, spontaneously, cheerfully, generously, freely you've received, freely give, the scripture says. Not only generously, but proportionately. You know, as as you live and work and save and, and invest, God, if you're a good steward, he will multiply your finances. And as he does, if you're really a good steward, he'll multiply your time. And, and if it doesn't take too long, you may still have some energy left even. And, and so the bottom line is, lots of us started out with very little time or energy or money or any of those things, maybe a lot of energy and none of the rest. But but we just work day and night just to make ends meet. And now the Lord's kind of freed us up where we have opportunity to serve, time to serve, and resources and finances to serve. And, and I encourage you to use them. If you're near retirement and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do besides fish, find a way to serve the Lord. Use those last years of your life to, to do something that you couldn't do because you were encumbered with working. And don't just say, well, I'll just kick back until... The Lord takes me home. What if he leaves you here 20 more years? It's going to get old. You're going to get old. So willingly, spontaneously, cheerfully, generously, proportionately, systematically. They were instructed in, in the um, New Testament to lay something up the first day of the week. And there was a collection coming for the poor in Jerusalem. And they just said, hey, when you come together on the first day of the week, lay something up so there's no collections when I come. That's why when we have a concert, we don't take an offering. Why? We're reaching out to unbelievers. When we bring in a guest speaker, we don't take a special offering. Why? Because we're just going to do that out of what God's already providing through you guys. 
Have you ever been anywhere or been in a situation where they took an offering and counted it and said, we didn't get enough, we're going to pass it again? I've been there. Man, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, and what about the people that aren't saved here? And what about the people that are they're struggling here? And so we want to give systematically, regularly. And then finally, we want to give expectantly. Why? He says you can't even give a cup of cold water to someone in his name without incurring and being promised a reward if you're giving because you love him and you're responding to him. Not giving to get, giving because you've been given so much. Before the Lord got a hold of us, we had the tendency to hoard our resources. Whether it was our time, our money, or anything else that we place value on, we clung to those things in fear of losing them. I am so thankful that the Lord frees us from that bondage. It's so much easier to give of these things when they are not the primary focus of our lives. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down The Calvary Road. And your grace.